Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to church today. Very nice to see all of you. Welcome if you're on the live stream. If you're visiting, if you're not normally here, then an extra special welcome uh, to you. My name's Josh. I'm one of the uh, church members and I'll be introducing things as we go through this morning. So I'm going to start with just a couple of sort of notices and I'll just explain what's happening today and also next week at church. So this morning John is going to be teaching us from the Bible and the sermon title is going to be Breakfast by the Beach. So we'll look forward to that later. I hope you've all had breakfast and that's not going to make you too hungry. Um, Later on John is going to be preaching again uh, and the sermon title is Worship at the Wedding. Um, which I think is looking at Revelation and maybe Ephesians as well this evening. During the week, uh, so on Thursday, we've got a prayer meeting here at 7.30. Next Sunday, we've got communion, so there's an extra service in the afternoon at 3 o'clock if you are a baptised Christian, professing Christian, to come along to that. Also next Sunday, Thrive and Rooted, so the, the kids and youth stuff for primary school and secondary school age kids and young people, they start up, they start up again. Um, that is uh, an announcement for me to remember. Um, ah, and in two weeks, we've got church lunch. So we're going to have um, a shared lunch together um, after church, which will be great. Um, there is a sign-up sheet outside in the foyer. So if you are able to um, chip in with that, help with the catering and the arrangement, please do mm-hmm. sign up there. I think Jane is overseeing it. That would be brilliant. Okay. So I just wanted to add a couple of extra words of welcome to that, that short welcome at the beginning. Um, we're at church today, and there's this really popular idea out there, which is really hard to get rid of, which is that church is a place for good people. Church is a place for good people. Um, and I wonder if sometimes you can feel like, before we come to church, if we've got any issues, any problems, any guilt, what we've got to kind of do is sort that stuff out somehow. We've got to polish it up, sweep it under the carpet, do something before we can come to church. And if we come to church and we've got those, those issues there, we might feel like we're sort of out of place, like we're in the wrong place. I just want to encourage you that 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 isn't the case. Let me just read a very short verse from the Bible. So this is when people are talking to Jesus and they're like, you shouldn't be hanging out with these dodgy characters. And he says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Which means that Jesus is interested in helping people who have those problems. He's interested in in helping them. So if if we're at church today and we're thinking, oh, I've got these issues, I've got these problems, I just want to encourage you that you're in the exact right place. You're not in the wrong place, but you're in the exact right place because church, what we're here about, what we should be here about, is all about Jesus. And we're going to be hearing more about Jesus later. So I just want to encourage you. I, I find that encouraging and I hope that you'll be encouraged that, you know, if you feel like that, you are in the right place today. So we are going to start off singing together a song which is Come People of the Risen King. And one of the lyrics says, Come people of the Risen King who delight to bring him praise. So maybe we can just take a second, think in our minds of what Jesus has done for us, of all the good things he's given us that should make us 
delight and be happy to together bring him praise. Please uh, have a stand as the music starts. going to have a short time of prayer now. Um, we're going to, well, that song was a bit like a prayer, wasn't it? The words we're singing and we're going to continue um, praying. Um, so uh, feel free to bow your heads and, um, and I'll pray. Lord God, we want to uh, praise you. We want to worship you today. We want to acknowledge that you are the God who is King. King over um, us, king over the earth, king over um, the universe. Lord, you are king of all. And we are 
so foolish if we live in a way that, that doesn't recognise that. Lord, we praise you for the amazing works that your hands have done. Um, we look outside at uh, a beautiful day today. We look outside at, at the sky, all the things that you've created um, to pour forth speech, as the Bible says, to, to, to show us who you are and what you are like, that you are the creator. Lord, and we, we praise you and we worship you um, for what you have made. We praise you and we worship you, Lord, that you have sent Jesus um, to die on the cross um, for all who would um, receive him, that we would gain forgiveness so that we could um, approach you, uh, so that we can approach you today, so that we can um, speak to you and we know that you're listening and that we can know you, we can be in a relationship with you, even though there was a huge gap between us, that you fix that gap through the work of Jesus. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that this morning. Amen. So we're going to go on and pray for a couple of other things. Um, We're going to pray now for the church. So we're going to take a moment to pray for the church, for its leaders, um, for our members. Let's continue to pray as we pray for the church. Lord, we pray for our leaders here at Forest Fold. We pray um, especially um, for John and Mark working full-time for the church and for the responsibilities that they carry. Lord, we know that it is such difficult work and we know that it will be so much more difficult even than we we understand from, from, from the side that we stand on. And Lord, we just pray that you would give them the strength they need to serve you here. Lord, we thank you for their, for their work, the ways in which they um, serve us and minister to us um, week after week. Um, and in all the ways that we don't even see what they're doing, but they are working so hard for you. Lord, we thank you for their, their faithfulness and we pray that you would help them to continue. And we pray also, Lord, for um, the other leaders in the church, for the other elders, um, for Tony and for John Hitchcock as well. Lord, we pray that you'd help them. We know that the Christian life is difficult and we know that they are not just living as Christians but, but carrying these, these, these um, extra responsibilities in the church as well. Lord, we pray that you'd help them and help their families um, and help them to be um, faithful in you. Lord, we pray for all of the members in the church, all of the, the, the friends here who um, are having difficult times. Lord, we pray for um, people who have um, been bereaved, whether that is recently or, or, or less recently. But Lord, we know that these, these difficult things and this suffering it, 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 it so often stays with us. But Lord, we thank you that you are the God of, of comfort. Lord, and we pray that you would be comforting those of us who hurt, who suffer um, in, in so many different ways. Um, Lord, I pray for um, my dad who's near the end of his life. I pray, Lord, that you would, um, that you would make yourself really known to him, that he would know your, uh, your presence, he would know you, um, he would know your comfort, he would know that in you there is uh, no fear in death with the promise of eternal life in you to those that accept it. Lord, we pray for those of us in the church who who are working um, and and the the difficulties that that we face um, day in and day out. Lord, we pray that you'd help them to, um, as you say in the Bible, to do everything as if 
we are doing it for you, Lord. It's so difficult to serve um, someone at work as if we are serving you. But Lord, help us to do that, um, to, give, to give you glory, to be obedient to you. Lord, we pray for the, the children and the young people who are getting ready to go back to school soon. Um, the old ones who are getting ready to go back to university or to start university or are taking gap years. Lord, again, we just pray that um, we thank you for you know, the, the system we have in this country. We, we thank you that education is so available. But Lord, we just pray that in, in everything that they do, those young people would be seeking to serve you first and foremost. Um, and again, seeking to do everything that they do in their training, in their education, um, for you and for your glory. Amen. So, I was going to pray next about, um, well, I was looking in the news this week and I was thinking, you know, what are the important uh, events that, that would be worth thinking about and praying about? And it's, you know, it was impossible to look at the news this week without seeing, you know, the the sentence which was handed down everyone knows what I'm talking about on, on that nurse that was you know, found guilty of taking the lives of children that she should have been caring for and I'm sorry to bring it up because it's, it's such a terrible thing even to you know, it's, it's difficult to even speak but I just looked at it and I thought we, we have to pray about that. Um, so if, if you will, let's, let's bring that to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are the God of justice, that you are the arbiter of right and wrong, that there is no right or wrong, there is no justice without you setting the standard. And Lord, we thank you that there has been a small measure of justice in that terribly, terribly sad case um, this week. But Lord, we know that that is just a faint reflection of the justice that we can conceive of, that we can, uh, that we can hand down is, is nothing when we think of, of your justice, that you say there will be a, a day when all will stand before you and answer for their actions. And Lord, we know that that none of us can stand at that judgment. Lord, we thank you that you made a plan that we could um, have forgiveness. Lord, we pray that um, through this um, event, there will be many who are affected by it very very closely and we we pray for them. Um, We pray that that they would come to know your, your comfort, that you're the God of all comfort. But Lord, we pray for people, the many, many people who look at these events from afar and and surely are moved by them. And Lord, we pray that that you would even use that that shock and that horror um, for good for your kingdom, that you would make people question what is it that is wrong with humankind that, that we can do terrible things. And it would prompt people to ask these deep and heavy and difficult questions about, um, about the human heart and about um, guilt and about forgiveness. 
And Lord, I pray that it would bring many to realise that um, that we are flawed, that we are so fatally um, flawed and that we are all guilty in your sight. And Lord, I pray that it would turn many um, to you in repentance. Amen. And then finally, we're going to spend some time praying for the church. The, the picture is bleak, but the hope is Jesus' church that he's building. So let's pray for the church a bit, bit more widely than Forest Fold in, in the UK and beyond. Let's spend some time praying for the church. Lord, we pray for the church in, in our country, uh, in the UK. Lord, we pray that that it would change and that the, the trend of decline um, and the trend of uh, unfaithfulness would be, would be changed to a, a trend of um, returning to the Bible and, and believing what it is that you tell us. And it would be a trend of, of growth, that people would come to hear your message and they would realise that it gives them freedom and that they would want to come into your church and that the church would grow and that you would be glorified. We pray for um, the Church of England, such a um, big part of the church in this country and the, the turbulence that it is in and Lord we pray that you would uh, use what is happening there for your glory, that they would remain um, faithful and that, that the church would be um, strong and that we'd be doing work that builds your kingdom. Lord we pray for um, the church around the world it's, it, it's, it's too hard to comprehend how big it is. There are so many um, millions and millions and millions of people in your church, in, in countries that, that many of us have never been to and many that we may have not even heard of. Lord, it's amazing to, to think how big your work is that you, that you are doing. Lord, we pray for those um, that we do know well. We pray for um, James and Rachel and their work in North Cyprus. We thank you that they have um, got back there safe and we pray that they would be invigorated after their time over here and that they would be just full of a heart to serve you. And we pray for others that we um, are friends with here and have supported. We pray for um, partners in Romania and we pray for the Saywells in the Philippines. Lord, we pray that they would know, um, they would feel the partnership um, with us here. They would feel supported by by prayer and the other ways that they're supported and we pray that they would be encouraged um, in the difficult work that they do. Amen. So we've got two Bible readings um, and I'm very sorry, I'm doing both of them. I wasn't organised enough to get someone to read them. So I'm going to read the first one now and then we will sing and then we'll have the the second one um, later. So the reading is from the book of John, chapter 20. In the Church Bibles, it's page 906, uh, and then going on to 907 for the next bit, and it should come up on the screen. There we go. So we're going to read from verse 19 through to 31. On the evening that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, 
he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we're going to sing another song. This is God sent his son. Um, and there's, there's a good bit on the verse, which says, uh, the chorus, which says, um, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. So this is uh, an encouraging thing to sing, I think, if, uh, if or when you're having a hard time. I think this is one of those songs where you think Jesus um, helps me through. Let's uh, stand and sing as the music starts.
So we'd normally have a children's talk now, but we don't have very many children here today, so we're skipping it. Okay, but that will be back next week. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to have the second reading. So hopefully you've kept Bibles open if you've got Bibles in front of you. It's the next, next page, 907 in the Church Bibles. So John chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, and fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And now we're going to sing again. We're going to sing the song, See What a Morning. Um, and it's, it's a lovely morning out there, but it's not talking about nice mornings. It's talking about that morning when Jesus' friends go to see his tomb and he's gone. So it's, it's just thinking about the, um, yeah, continuing to think about the resurrection and, and the, yeah, how amazing that, that day was and, and the good news that it is for us. So let's stand and sing as the music starts.
So it's uh, summertime. Summertime is associated with uh, beaches, uh, even in the UK. Maybe you have uh, eaten on the beach, or you over the summertime you've had a, a picnic, maybe, or the typically English fish and chips on the beach. Now they try to do that on camp. It's a little bit of a, a wet affair, I understand. Perhaps you've even had a, a barbecue on the beach. Well, it's not a new thing to eat on the beach. It's not a new thing to have a barbecue on the beach because here in a chapter that we're looking at this morning, we had a barbecue on the beach. And sometimes when I was involved with camp, we used to get up early and try and have a breakfast barbecue on the beach. I don't know if they're wiser than that these days and they leave it to be later in the day. We tended to head off early and by the time everything was ready, it was sort of half past ten before the bacon was done on the beach. But uh, we would uh, try to have a a breakfast barbecue on the beach. Well, here in John 21, you do have a breakfast barbecue on the beach. It is very early in the morning, we see from verse We've been following the beach theme, haven't we, over the summer, uh, picking out events where uh, Jesus was active by the sea. And uh, we've come to our our last uh, chapter, looking at some of these, and we'll probably get two uh, different messages from the chapter that we're in. Chapter 21 of uh, John, one of my favourite chapters in the Bible. And uh, being at the end, the last chapter of John, you realise it's at the end of Jesus' earthly time. Um, It's after the cross. Suffering of Jesus and his death is featured especially in chapters 18 and 19. But the Gospel doesn't finish there in chapter 19. You have chapter 20, And chapter 21, there is more to Jesus' life, if you like, than finishing it with his death. We have John 20 and 21. And we're going to be looking this morning at the first 14 verses of John 21, so just a part of these couple of chapters. Um, It's an exciting incident, as I hope you picked up, as Josh read it to us. It is full of teaching, And um, we're going to look at it and then think about three particular aspects. And I'll give you a heads up on that so that you can be thinking about it. I want to be thinking about um, what it says about Jesus. I want to be thinking uh, of what it says or shows about the disciples. And I want to be thinking about what it says or shows about Peter. What do you think it teaches about Jesus here? What do you think it teaches about disciples? What do you think it teaches about Peter? Well, we're going to go through the events. We're going to go through what happened uh, first and uh, then we're going to major on one thing for each of those three. 
So in recent events we've been more in the Jerusalem area and now the disciples have gone back up north to to Galilee and we join them at Galilee one uh, evening. Um, It's called Tiberias here, the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, That's a a major town, major city on the outside, on the edge, on the coast of Galilee. It's still there today called Tiberias and if you've had a trip to Israel you may well have stayed in a hotel on Tiberias. Some of us have done. Perhaps it's called Tiberias here because it was its more Roman name and it's getting you to think about the gospel going out to the nations perhaps. Well, Peter decides to go fishing and we'll think about that in a bit. And the others, or some of the others, 60 others, join him. I call it uh, going fishing, uh, but uh, there's not much, by the way, of fish, is there, as you start. They've gone at night time, that was the best time, it was seen as the best time for fishing and it brought the fresh fish in in the morning to sell But uh, there they are in their boat on Galilee and it hits nine o'clock and there's nothing and they hit midnight and there's nothing, three o'clock, nothing, six in the morning perhaps, an empty net, a fruitless night of activity. And then in the morning, a man stands on the shore within shouting distance. Uh, And the men in the boat don't recognise him. But he calls out to children or lads or guys, have you any fish? No, they shout back. Throw your net on the right side and you will find some. Well, I suppose there's no harm in trying, nothing else has worked through the night. So they pull in their nets throw them out on the right side of the boat and as they do immediately they feel the tug of things entering into their nets. The nets start to fill, in fact they're too full to drag back into the boat. People in the boat are thinking. You know there's some incidents or things or say music which when you hear or see makes you think back to a certain event, a certain place, a tune is always associated with that occasion or that particular location. And it's true here for, um, for one of the disciples particularly. The penny drops. It's a sort of sense of deja vu. Three years earlier, something like this happened and John twigs on, the disciple who Jesus loved is the way he calls himself. And he says to Peter, it is the Lord. John hadn't totally recognised Jesus, perhaps it was quite a distance. His voice hadn't been enough on its own, like Mary when she heard the voice of Jesus, for him to recognise who it was, but his actions so very similar to when he first started properly to follow Jesus. Another big catch miracle and he knew it was Jesus. And then when, when Peter hears that it's Jesus, he reacts, doesn't he, with, with gusto in verse 7. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment 
for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. A couple of months ago we went to a Greek island called Kefalonia and one of the highlights of our time out there was a trip to an island called Ithaca which is a smaller island just next to Kefalonia and it was one of these um, one of these boat trips which uh, stopped twice at uh, beautiful bays around the island um, so that uh, you could uh, get in the water and swim into uh, the, the bay. Well, that, as I thought about that, Peter getting into the water here and, and going into land made me think of our Kefalonia trip, but there, there are three big differences. When it was time and you arrived at the bay to go in, well, most people took, took their fleece off or their coat off or whatever they had on and they got down to their swim stuff and they went in. Well, here Peter puts his coat on before diving into the water. Most people will let themselves gently, you know, there were sort of steps down so that you could edge down into the water of the boat before swimming off. There was a slide as well and a few were a little bit more ambitious and did that. But Peter throws himself, the word is quite emphatic, he throws himself off the boat into the water. Uh, For us, it was planned and expected. We had the leaflet, it told us which bays we're going to stop at. We could think through, did we really want to, to swim into land or not? But here it was spontaneous. Peter, in the water, heading towards land. Well, the other disciples, they do their best to to bring the rather heavy laden vessel in towards the shore and as the boat is pulled into land, there's a lovely sort of smoky aroma in the air and Jesus, knowing that they would come in, has got a barbecue going. I found that striking, thinking about that the last... uh, couple of days. We're not not told everything about how it all got ready but presumably uh, Jesus must have got some coals together and arranged them. Dirty work. Got the fire going somehow. Suspended the had an arrangement to suspend the fish over the coals in a way that would cook them. He got some rolls together. He's intent on, on feeding his disciples, he's, he's, he's serving them, he's providing for them. It's this very servant-like of Jesus, isn't it? What he's doing, looking after their needs. Something that encouraged me as I was getting breakfast ready this morning. Although it was a much simpler affair and there was no cooking involved. Servant-likeness of Jesus. Well, he calls for some of the fish to come on to the barbecue. And guess who responded? Who responded to the call to bring the fish in? Peter goes aboard, aboard, aboard the boat. Most of us might be thinking, well, there's a lot there, I'm not sure I can manage it. But Peter on the boat in no time hauls this great load of fish onto the land Fishermen, they like to count how many they've caught, don't they? And a count is made. It's 153. Incidentally, it's quite interesting that the details you have here. You know, who is in the boat? Lots of them are named. The time of day? 
the distance from land is 100 yards from, from, from land. Uh, the amount of fish, it just breathes with being an eyewitness account as you have the details. Well, the fish, a large fish, we're told, quite a meal. You know, if you have a large cod and chips, that's quite a meal. 153 large fish. There's, there's plenty here. Jesus has provided a lot. With Jesus' help, they have uh, done what they couldn't do themselves fruitless, unsuccessful, overnight with Jesus' word and power and knowledge a big catch a picture of what would be happening as they now go onward in their mission to spread the gospel without Christ's help unsuccessful but with his spirit working through the disciples bringing people in so Peter brought up the large fish The disciples enjoy the company of Jesus and we see his wonderful provision in this lovely verse, verse 13. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. An amazing event, dramatic event, wasn't it? Breakfast, barbecue on the beach. Just want to major on three things. First, I want to think about Jesus and this. Jesus was seen. Again, Jesus was seen. John gives away at the outset what was happening. He puts it like this in verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. Sometimes it's translated, he appeared to them. And and it means at least that, he appeared to them. Jesus was seen. He'd been crucified days before. Uh, So definitely he had died that the soldiers decided not to, to break the legs of him to finish the job. He'd been in a tomb from Friday to Sunday and now he's seen standing on a beach, shouting, guiding, cooking, feeding, talking. Jesus has appeared. Have you realised that Jesus was seen again after his death? Have you thought about that? Have you looked into that? the resurrection appearances of Jesus. The truth of Christianity stands or falls by the resurrection, you know. Jesus was seen. This is an appearance. But the word does mean more, and it's rightly translated, I think, here, revealed. It says it twice in this introductory verse. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias and he revealed himself in this way. He's not only seen, if you like, he's seen for who he is. I think it's quite interesting that Cana gets a mention in the next verse 
when saying where Nathaniel comes from, that he comes from Cana in Galilee. And it, it took me back to something else that happened at Cana in Galilee, which was Jesus' first miracle at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, where water was turned into wine. And this is how it's described in Luke and John 2 and verse 11. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested, it's actually the same Greek word, and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And here again, later in the Gospel, Jesus is revealing his glory. In fact, they're getting an even bigger view of the glory of Jesus. They they had it in that remarkable turning of so much water into wine at the wedding. They had a view of the glory. Who is this person? What is he really about? What is his character? They had it there. They got a glimpse of it there. And they get a glimpse of it here in this episode that we've been looking at this morning. A glimpse of the glory of Jesus. Have you taken that in yet? That Jesus is, Jesus is special, Jesus is unique, Jesus is glorious, Jesus is divine, Jesus is majestic, Jesus is unparalleled. We see here him as Lord of creation as he has authority over where the fish are in the lake. We see him here as having authority over the sea as we do in other instances. But we see even more because of the time when it occurs that we see him as somebody who has authority over death. His glory shines out to that extent. His glory as the Son of God, having defeated death, something that no one else could do, raised by the power of his Father. And so the account, I don't know if you notice this, ends also in this way. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Are you catching a glimpse of the glory of Jesus in this episode? Or the blinds down? You know, sometimes when you don't want too much sun in, if it's going to be a bit warm, we've had so many days where it's going to be a bit too warm, but perhaps sometimes you get the the blind down, maybe in the kitchen to keep the sun out, the blinds down, you can't see the glory of what's behind it. Well, that's okay if you're trying to keep the kitchen cool, but is that what's happening in your life? That you've got the blinds pulled down to the glory of Jesus, and you're seeing an episode like this where he appears and reveals his authority over death, and the blinds are down. Jesus was seen again and his glory is revealed. And let's shift our our focus to the disciples. What is there here about the disciples? Well, I, I think we could have gone for a couple of things, but this is what I went for. The disciples were certain, were certain, At first, the disciples didn't recognise Jesus, did they? 
You see that in verse 4. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Uh, Maybe it was the distance, maybe there was a, a morning mist hovering above the lake, the sea. Uh, often the disciples seem to have a dimness about them, didn't they, in, in, the re- in the post-resurrection experiences. But then there's this, this demonstration of his power. There is the, the big catch, and it, it takes their mind back to, to Luke 5. Let me read these verses to you of what happened at the start of the disciples' ministry, really, in Luke 5, verse 5. They're on the, the, the sea and uh, Jesus uh, says to Simon, to Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signalled to their partners in the other boat to come over and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. That was the time when Peter and the others were especially entrusted with responsibility by Jesus. And here they are and it takes their mind back. and realise it's Jesus. He's just conscious of his power. Probably the feeding that they experienced of rolls and fish took them back to the hillside when so many were fed by Jesus miraculously. Now they're, they're, they're close up with him. Uh, now he's, he's doing things among them. And so it says in verse 12, as they are invited to come and have breakfast, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. I think that little phrase, really helpful, they knew it was the Lord. It was obvious. They didn't didn't need to ask. None of them needed to say, excuse me, are you Jesus? Waste of time. It's obvious. And they're certain. And they're sure that it's Jesus. And in this time after his death, there, there is a, a growing certainty, isn't there, amongst the disciples of who Jesus is. And this isn't just a a one-off. We were told in that last verse, verse 14, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. We read out about the first two in the first reading. The first two in the Gospel of John that it's referring to, of appearing to the disciples on that Sunday that it happened in the evening, without Thomas, a week later, with Thomas, despite his sort of refutation of the resurrection in between, and then Thomas himself is confronted with the risen Lord, and now this is the third time, another time, a different instance, when they see the risen Jesus. In fact, if you tally up 
the different occurrences in the Bible. There are at least 11. If you include some of the later ones as well, direct to some of the apostles, you could go up to perhaps 15, but there's at least 11. And they convey the certainty of the resurrection. I don't know if you feel the certainty that the resurrection gives. Whether you know who Jesus is, whether you know Jesus, later we're seeing, no more we doubt you, glorious Prince of Life. That's what the resurrection does. It instills a sort of iron rod concrete in your convictions, reinforced concrete. There's, there's, a, there's a fact at the basis of what you believed. It is the risen Jesus. And the resurrection would transform this uh, shaky bunch of fishermen into world changers. They were, they were certain. Maybe think of, this, uh, not this little book, this big book actually, a book, Josh McDowell was quite a prolific writer on the evidence for the Christian faith a few years ago and um, here's one of his books, The Evidence for the Christian Faith, The New Evidence That Demands a, a Verdict. It's called, it's, it's, it's got quite a lot on it, you see it's got different columns of pages, there's quite a lot on it. 80 pages of it are to do with analysing the resurrection. Uh, let me just read you the closing few words at the end. The verdict is in. The decision is clear. The evidence speaks for itself. It says very clearly, Christ is risen indeed. The disciples were sure. Are you sure? Grow in certainty by looking at the resurrection. And then, I want us lastly to think about Peter. That's got a slightly unusual heading for me, but it seems to summarise it nicely. Peter was buzzing. Peter was buzzing. Peter was enthusiastic, if you want a more ordinary word. Peter's not just sure, he was more than sure. He is delighted. And he is now useful. He is so full of enthusiasm, isn't he, for his Lord. He throws himself in, he swims, he wades, he strides out of the sea, dripping wet. He is so thrilled to see Jesus alive again. And Peter's featured a lot in this chapter. And uh, next time we're we're on it, we shall probably home in on the conversation that Jesus has with Peter that follows on, that's still there at this breakfast scene. Uh, But what, and and I love that part, uh, but what I hadn't really noticed before, though I don't remember noticing before this week, is actually how much Peter features in the first part of the chapter. Well, he's the one who, who suggests that they go fishing. They literally have gone fishing as a group. It was literally true for Peter and he suggests it. And um, there's a question of how we view this. You know, what, 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 what do you think about Peter going fishing at this stage? 
There are different views. Some people are quite sort of, um, think it's quite commendable. Well, you know, he's using time well. He's um, going to be getting some income, providing. It's a, a good thing for to do it after this stage of Jesus dying. Um, there's some who feels it's a bit of a dereliction of responsibility. He's backsliding. What was he doing fishing again? Um, some that feel perhaps this was understandable. He's discouraged. He, he needs time out. Well, I'm not sure we should be too harsh on, on Peter, but you do feel a bit that he's lost his way, don't you? Fishing again here. And, and certainly, you got, I think you can say this much, he's not doing what he was called to do and would be doing. He's not doing what he was called to do. He'd been told to move away from fishing for fish to fishing for people. So I think there is a sense of him lost his way in the backwaters, returned to his own calling, his old calling. And what, what is it then that it ignites him in this account? Well, it's seeing the risen Lord. And that attracts him to him. When he has the, the big fish catch in Luke 5, actually, Peter withdraws and he says, Depart from me, Lord, because I'm a sinful man. But here he sees the Lord and the opposite is true. His heart knows Christ and he's drawn and he can't wait to get to him. So he doesn't sort of wait for the rowing into land, but he, he jumps in. And he's just thrilled to see Jesus, his Lord. And you know, knowing the, the risen Jesus should, should set us buzzing. I'll put it like that. Should set us buzzing. Yeah, we're different characters, different temperament. Uh, John here realises it's uh, the Lord Jesus and he sort of takes it quietly and talks to Peter and reacts differently. But it should stir up in us, shouldn't it, a sense of enthusiasm. And I think this is sort of drawn out even more. I hadn't really noticed this before. Perhaps you had. Um, who is involved with the final haul? And Jesus says, get some fish. Who goes for it? So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore. Active. Yep, yep. Me, off, let's go, he's got to come. You know, Jesus needs the fish, bring the fish in. Peter, spearheading it. And, and we're, I think we're, well some of you saw on a Thursday anyway, you were already in later in this chapter and I think we will be uh, again. And we should think of uh, Peter um, probably in that last one will be called Restored by the Sea and we'll be thinking of Peter's conversation with Jesus but in a way it's already happening in the earlier part of the chapter Peter had lost his way he's re-energised by the risen Lord 
and now he's very much involved with bringing the fish in. You see how Peter's already involved. Just Yes, it's a miracle and yes, it needs the power of Jesus and it, it all depends on what Jesus has done but, but even at this point, Peter is involved as a key person in bringing the fish in, in providing for others. I, I found it really helpful to think about that. And maybe you feel you've lost your way. Can I apply it in that way? Your zeal... Your purpose has slipped a bit, perhaps. A bit flat in your Christian faith, maybe. In a way, you're not quite sure what you're up to and you've lost your focus, perhaps. I read a book a few years ago on midlife, not not just midlife crisis, but middle of life. Um, it's quite an interesting Christian book, but the title was interesting, Lost in the Middle, it was called. Well, I don't know when midlife starts and finishes, it tends to be a big band, it tends to be quite a late band, doesn't it? in the middle, but there we go. But maybe you, you're somewhere in, in the middle, perhaps you feel actually lost in the middle is a, a little bit of a description of, of where I am at, I've lost focus, I've lost my sense of call, I've lost living for Jesus with enthusiasm. Well, Peter just reminds us here, doesn't it? There is a, a way back. There is a way back. There is a, a route to involvement. There is a route to a, a freshened relationship with God. There is a route back to usefulness and effectiveness. And one of the big boosts is to experience the joy of knowing the risen Lord. And perhaps this morning has helped you in that way as we've seen the revealed Jesus, the disciples being sure of him and Peter being re-energised at seeing him. I'll allow just a, a little, a few moments for quiet reflection, personal prayer and then we'll sing our last song. Well, let's sing, shall we, our last song, a slightly updated version of the classic Thine Be the Glory, a wonderful resurrection hymn. Glory to Jesus, risen, conquering Son, endless is the victory over death you won.
Lord, we thank you for the glimpse of the glory of Jesus that we have in the episode that we've looked at. We thank you for the way it reinforced the certainty and convictions of the disciples. We pray it will do that for us too. We thank you for the way that Peter was back involved for his activity, for his enthusiasm, for his joy as he was with the risen Christ. And we pray that uh, an awareness of the glory of the risen Jesus may ensue us, may help us, may bring us back, may send us forward. We pray this in his name. Amen.